Joan, Princess of Wales and Aquitaine, popularly known as the Fair Maid or the Virgin of Kent, despite her seven children, was the widow of the Black Prince, whose victories against France had brought him glory from London to Venice. She was a friend of the Pope, and equally of John Wycliffe, the first translator of the Bible into English, and the Pope's enemy the mother and mentor of King Richard II, in her sixth decade, still a beauty and a woman of fearsome influence in the kingdom. Princess Joan lay on her bed at Windsor Castle in the early daylight of a gentle May morning, and played with her jewels. She liked this dawn accounting of her treasure in luxurious solitude. She liked the clink of the stones one against another as she rolled and shuffled them. She liked the extreme wealth in her hands, the power at her fingertips, for this was a treasure that could be mortgaged for wars, and there was the unfailing romance of those prisons of rock in distant lands so skilfully prized open to reveal lumps and slivers of rare material. Then they would be fashioned into the art of these dazzling precious objects trickling through her strong fingers." that so much had been done to give her pleasure, moved her deeply. Joan had been picked out as a beauty from her childhood. It was a beauty so embedded in her character and so frequently polished by praise that its awareness never left her. Even as she aged, her manner and her history continued to expect unbroken tributes to be paid to it. And they were. The jewels were proof. There they were, on the velvet coverlet of her immense bed. Among them were four chaplets of gold, enriched with gems. She slid these over her wrists, letting them dangle and brush softly, whispering against each other. She spent respectful time turning and turning again in the milky light, a dearly bought brooch with a large diamond, three ballast rubies and three pearls weighing six ounces. Clink! Clink, clink, it sounded in the silence of the silk-clad room as she pushed it gently through the scatter of sixteen smaller brooches, which were like its bridesmaids. Many of the sapphires and rubies had been made up into rings or necklaces, small clusters of colour she liked to set against the large white diamond necklace, and there was a small golden sapphire and emerald jewelled heart. Her son's badge was a white heart, Hers was a white hind, and she had four of these, waiting for the prime moment to give one to him as the perfect small reward. When he was a child, before he became king, at the age of ten, she had presented him with twenty-two thousand pearls of different sizes, among other gifts. On it went, this carnival of artistry, her fabled riches, sensuously caressing her hands, objects brilliantly worked in jasper and ivory, in amber, jet, and marble. And more, ceramics, ostrich eggs encrusted with rubies, clasps, belts, buttons, rosaries, mirrors. Occasionally she would sigh, an exhalation of unfathomable contentment, and the sigh would drift around the room, a blessing given to herself. Her world was perfect.
When the time came to part with her harvest, she lay back on her bed and looked down like a goddess to savour with a compound of happiness and ownership that all that lay before her was hers. The bed itself was her greatest pride. It was covered with red velvet embroidered with ostrich feathers of silver. At each corner a leopard's head of gold sprouted silver branches and leaves from its mouth. In her will the bed was destined for her youngest son, the king. She called for Jane, the favourite of her four young ladies-in-waiting. Joan would not have older women about her. Jane led in the two armed men with the caskets and iron-bound boxes that housed the jewels. With them was the steward of Joan's household, carrying an inventory. Joan looked on intently as the jewels returned to darkness in the deep caskets. No one hurried. This was the morning of the jewels.'